Welcome, my love, to The Collective. The Collective is you, it is me, it is every woman. Raising the vibration of the fucking planet as we show up, step up, and serve the purpose we were put here for. My name is Taylor Ray. I am the queen of blending the woo with the work, and I'm going to show you how to do just that. I'm an entrepreneur, podcaster, speaker, and spiritual business mentor, and I help visionary women just like you build online businesses so they can have the impact they are here for and call in the abundance they are so worthy of. Get ready to become unapologetic, abundant, and aligned as fuck because the universe has put you here in divine timing and you're exactly where you're meant to be. Welcome back, my love, to The Collective Podcast. I am so grateful for you being here, taking the time to click on this episode today and joining me for, honestly, what is probably one of the most powerful interviews I've ever done on this show. I'm so grateful to be able to share this with you and I really, I thank you for taking the time to listen to it. I don't often say this, but this is an episode that you need to hear. There's so many moments inside of this episode that I just felt chills. I felt moments that I needed to pause. I heard things that the world needs to hear and I'm so grateful that this platform gets to bring them to you. Inside of this episode, I am sitting down with my beautiful friend, client, and honestly, just one of my favorite people on the planet, VP Wright. V is an author, a creative business mentor, and a certified life coach based out of Houston in Texas. She received her BA in comparative ethnic studies from Washington State University with a minor in women's studies and pop culture. She's the founder and CEO of The Creatives Corner, an online hub for creatives wanting to build sustainable, purpose-led online businesses that allow them the freedom to leave their nine to five and thrive off their gifts. V actually lives in the neighborhood that George Floyd grew up in, and as a woman of color and a powerful leader in the online space, systemic racism, discrimination, and a lack of diversity is something that she has seen so much of and has always proactively been fighting to dismantle. With the Black Lives Matter movement taking place over the last couple of weeks, V feels like finally the world is listening and that humanity as a collective is realizing that we need to be better. VP speaks about this inside of the interview around what it actually feels like to finally be seen, even though she's been here and doing the work the whole time. We talk about what's wrong with the coaching industry and what needs to change and why making your services more accessible and affordable is a must and why that likely means going against the norm. We dive deep into what that's meant for V, what she's done in her business and how it has created such incredible opportunities for her clients. We talk about the difference between performative activism and proactive allyship and how you can make sure you are on the side of being a proactive ally in the fight against racism. We talk about active steps that you can take to be better both inside of your business and on a personal level as well as breaking down what it means to be racist versus contributing to systems of racism and how you can create change overall this episode is incredible for helping us to understand how we can work together to dismantle discrimination fight for inclusivity and diversify our businesses as allies I am so grateful for you taking the time to join V and I in this episode. But remember, it is about learning and then taking action. We talk a lot about actionable steps you can take in this episode, and you can also contribute to V's support fund for Black, Indigenous, women of color creatives who are currently working towards building their own online businesses by heading to vpright.com forward slash support fund. If you want to learn more about V's workshops and trainings on activism, allyship, and anti racism, be sure to follow her on Instagram at 
at the VP right and check out the links to register, which we've put in the show notes below. Please also be sure to screenshot this episode and share what you learn on your Instagram stories, tagging V at the VP right and myself at Tayray official. Your voice matters and it's important that we don't stay silent anymore. I appreciate you being here and being open to learning how we can all be better. Let's dive in. Bring it fam. You can all just sleep on the couch. <laughs> Literally, I mean, there's four like, of us, so I think it might just be me and Chuck, or Chuck and I. That's proper English, correct? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> me and James were talking about it the other day, about when we actually meet you guys in real life. Because how tall is Chuck? So Chuck is six one. Yeah, okay, so he right? is tall. Yeah, but I'm five yeah. one, Tay. Yeah, you're a little tiny gal. I'm you're tiny. Petite. I'll and just I'm not scoop just- you up. <laughs> exactly. I'm not just five one. I'm five one and 96 pounds, so it's like... I'm tiny, tiny, tiny and tiny. you're like a goddess. And you and James are like whole goddesses, gods and goddesses compared to. We'll take it. <laughs> we will take it. <laughs> no, I'm just like a big Gumby Lank. Like, did you? I don't know if you saw my stories this morning, and I was trying to do that hip hop workout. It mm-hmm. did not look good. I was like, I look like such a plebby white girl. Like, just can does no moves, no idea what she's doing, and she's like trying to crump in the laundry. James came out, and I was like please don't look at me. This is really embarrassing, but I'm having a fun time. But yeah, no, because I'm 5'10 and James is 6'1, but James is 6'1 and like a built like a fucking wall. Like he's like so- Right, versus Charles is 6'1 and he's as tiny as me. You know what I mean? So like, Mm. we're both tiny humans. He's just tall and tiny and I'm short and tiny. (laughs) I, so I cannot wait. I don't even say I can't wait, but I can't wait until the day I actually squeeze you. Man, the fact that you said that you can't wait and you never say it, like, like that stuck with me. The podcast mm-hmm. episode, you, you went through all the phrases that you don't say. Mm-hmm. Like, that stuck with me for, like, ever since I heard that. So the fact that you said that means it's going to, like, truly, truly happen. Like, truly, truly. I'm truly as, that as excited about it that I've broken my own rule. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we should dive in. Uh, we should get into it. Yeah, we should. Okay. We I, should. I feel like all that's just going to be in the intro anyway, but let's dive in. For those that don't know you, you are one of my favorite humans, honestly, like started as a client, very quickly scaled your way up to like BFF status. I freaking love you. I adore you. <laughs> you know that. I feel like this could potentially turn into like a love fest, which I'm pretty sure it started into on the episode that we did on your <laughs> podcast, where it was just like, oh, yeah. Just- doing a declaration of our love for each other. But anyway, for those that don't know you, haven't seen you 8,000 times on my stories, please introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are. So hello, all of my lovely humans. My name is VP Wright. Um, I am a creative business mentor and certified life coach. But most importantly, I am one of Taylor's best friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, uh, I got into the world of coaching actually because of Taylor. So that's hilarious. Um, Whenever everything was still Strong Babe Collective, I was one of the Strong Babes. I'm pretty sure I was, so fun fact, I had just gotten baptized as a Christian and I was still very uncomfortable about all of that because I didn't know who to really turn to. And I just came across Taylor's content on, um, (laughs) on a, what was it? It was like a, we were in like a group, like a, one of those like engagement groups or something. A engagement pod thing. Yeah. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. One of those. And her content just kept gravitating to me. 
And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, like, this is great. Like, <laughs> this I is exactly forgot. what I needed. I forgot until yeah. right now that that's how I met you. I literally yeah. didn't remember that. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. And um, I binge listened to, at the time, she had like 85 podcast episodes. So I took like two and a half months to binge listen to all the episodes and kept tagging her and everything. Um, and then we were just in the DMs and then I hired her a year ago this month. Actually, oh my God, what day is it? So it'll be a year ago. I know a year ago next week. Right. Oh my God. Um, cute. Which is insane. Yeah. Um, and my life hasn't been the same since I went to Taylor the entire summer. And by that August, I had, after launching my first book that I wrote, which I'm working on my second one right now, yeah. um, I launched it. And uh, I ended up selling out both the, <laughs> the concert slash book signing for it, which she helped me plan, um, and all of the copies that were there. And then I launched my coaching program and it sold out as well. And I had my first five, multiple five-figure launch um, Amazing. through working with her in that time. So my life literally hasn't been the same. <laughs> and um, since then, like I now have like nine different programs and I'm building up my team. Mm. Um, I'm currently doing a workshop with Inner Glow Circle, which I met Katie DePaulo, who's the CEO of Inner Glow Circle, through Taylor's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so full circle. I love it. So yeah, full circle. Um, ended up getting certified as a life coach because I fell in love with the entire career of it, learned so much, but then saw a lot of issues in the coaching industry that I was not okay with whatsoever. Um, fun fact, I have my degree in comparative ethnic studies and a minor in global leadership, women's studies, and pop culture. So um, I did a lot of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work in college before I got married, had kids, and worked in a coffee shop prior to going into coaching. So like, mm. I was doing all of these things. And it's crazy that all of this is coming up right now the way that it is, because I get to use my degree and teach people in a really phenomenal way, while also help revolutionize our industry as coaches and service based off of, um, entrepreneurs, mm. um, online businesses as a whole and it's just really phenomenal to see everything how how much can change in a year mm -hmm. just based off, off of who you know and what you decide to risk putting into everything so yeah i guess yeah. here we are a year here later. We are. i know a year later i just i can't even believe it's i can't believe it's been a year but i also can't believe it's only been a year it's like one of those like weird situations where you're like i feel like it's been way longer but also so fast at the same time and just seeing yeah the huge transformation that you've made, like you're saying, you know, when we first started working together, your, your biggest goal was to like buy into the cafe. Like you were like, okay, that's what me and my husband want to do is like buy into the cafe that I work in. And I was like, I think that there's like more here that you need to be doing and to see how far you've come since then is incredible. Like so amazing. And, you know, obviously such an incredible leader in this industry. And that's something I've loved about working with you the entire way is your focus on value and really showing up for your clients and making coach accessible um, no matter what someone's life circumstances are or their background or anything like that and I really want you to speak to that a little bit because that's something I've always admired in you and the way that you show up that way as a coach and you know we've had this conversation a little bit in the past but I would love to elaborate further in this episode around you know things only being offered that are at that like high ticket sort of level and things that are really unattainable yeah. for people you know what are your thoughts around that and how are you tackling it as a part of your coaching business 
Yeah. So my thoughts versus how I'm tackling it. Right. Mm -hmm. So my thoughts is coaching is really, really fucking expensive. (laughs) It's, it's expensive to get into. It's expensive to get. Um, Most people don't even see it as like an option most of the times because there are a lot of really great coaches and not so great coaches who may be perceived as great coaches (laughs) that charge (laughs) a lot of money to get access to and for me like one of one of my declarations I had for myself within my business from the very beginning was that I did not want that now for me when it comes to coaching versus my mentorships, like they're, those are two very different experiences. So I have two different price points on that area because it's an energy exchange. You're giving the energy that you are to your client in exchange for what they're getting in return. Mm-hmm. And whether that be price point, experience, knowledge, um, access to materials, products, programs, et cetera, et cetera, right? It all is a value build. And for me, I want to make sure that my target audience, which is primarily women of color, um, and it's kind of grown over time in the last year um, with my target audience being one of color and me understanding the stipulations regarding how there are certain privileges that women of color just don't have access to just because of who and how they were born and what their experiences are as a whole just historically mm. so I came into this industry knowing that and I said okay I don't want to charge a certain amount of money to have access to me um, without making sure it was completely accessible. So something that I do as a whole is offer payment plans up to a year long. And, and with COVID-19, when that hit, I actually extended those payment plans out because people still wanted to work with me. But just the flexibility with their money wasn't there. So, okay, well, now we have like 18-month plans and 24-month plans. Like, mm. cool, because I'm seeing income coming into my business over a long period of time. And that person still gets to work with me. Plus, I can access to all of my products and continue to support even after I'm done through um, a mastermind I have for all of my private one-on-one clients once that's done. But mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that people were able to get continued support even afterwards because, you know, coaching relationships never just cut off and end unless they end horribly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah. there's ways to still get support from your coach in a manner that is really high value and I told myself okay I want to make sure that the community that they're buying into is going to be as supportive to them back um, whenever they make that first investment so I think when it comes to just accessibility to coaching for example mm-hmm. and different payment plans uh different ability like just ability to offer what you can right um especially with everything going on we have to challenge the way that we're able to get people into the space of coaches and consultants, mentors, mm. get them into the space of being coaches, consultants, and mentors outside of being just a client yeah. or a mentee, and then ensuring that they're certified. I know I, I talk, I put, I'm pretty sure I talk my ear off Taylor, Taylor about this all the time, but I thoroughly believe in certification. When I went through being um, a certification program through in our growth circle, um, I learned that essentially like coaching is essentially a few clicks away from therapy. Mm. And that scared me because the difference between a therapist and a coach is therapists are helping you dig the shit up that was going through your past, the trauma, the hurts, the pain, and helping you heal from that in present time. 
while coaches are helping you remove those blocks away from your past and they're helping you progress in the future. And that's a scary thing. If you don't know how to handle that completely Mm. within coaching, then you could really hurt someone. But the issue is that a lot of certification programs cost a shit ton of money. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like some, some of them are multiple five figure investments depending on who you work with. And what's awful is that depending on who you work with, you could be buying into a brand name and buying into the reputation that that person has versus actually getting the skills that you need to serve your client base at the most optimal level. So accessibility is key. We have to look at it both from the client standpoint, the coach standpoint, and the certification standpoint when it comes to our coaching industry and dismantle all of that to ensure that we're able to actually be as strategic and optimized and, um, you know, just constructively critical of our industry as a whole and how we can move forward from this point Mm. that answer your question I feel like I went in like three different circles (laughs) I loved it I think it's such a good outlook to sort of see why it's important and then to start to understand you know some of the strategic steps that we can actually be taking around that and I really want to ask you as well you know with your business what did you find that the the response was around you know having extended payment plans and things like that like what was people's responses to that and how have you found that that's impacted your business in you know a good way a bad way an interesting way what's that how's that worked out for you yeah, the reason, so the reason why I had a five-figure launch in the beginning is because I started my business with the option to have payment plans. So all of, for the most, so outside of these super extended ones that I have, I have payment plans that go up to a year and they can go as big as monthly or as little as weekly. Mm-hmm. And people really appreciated that because they felt seen, they felt heard, they felt respected. They felt like I wasn't trying to gouge them of their money. I didn't, for me, like, I didn't need to have all of their money all at one time. Like, that, that's not a necessity to me. I need sustainability. And I also need them to be sustainable, too. We need to make their money back, right? Like, that's the key. And I work with creative entrepreneurs. I went into this thinking, okay, oftentimes, creative entrepreneurs are, are held with a completely different standard because people just assume that artists are poor anyways. And mm. that's not true. The issue is that a lot of artists are trying to strategically start their their performance career or their their artistic career one specific way and that's been what we've been taught but for me I tell artists that hey you need one form of education one service and one product that you can push from the start in order to create that sustainability so if any one of those streams leave you at least have two other one or one other one to really bounce off of and I teach that throughout my program right it's all about sustainability. So when it came to people wanting to sign up for my mentorship, it wasn't an issue of, okay, well, can I afford it? Because they could afford it. Mm-hmm. There were payment plans that actually fit within their budget. Mm-hmm. And even then, if, they, if the larger plan, whether it be the three-month or six-month plans that I have now currently, um, if they couldn't do that, then I had a secret suite that I could offer too, which I love because people still feel like they're getting their needs met and they can yeah. still work with me, which is incredible. For me in my business, it, it's allowed me to see income for a year, two years out. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what you need. You need sustainability. You can have consistent monthly reoccurring income that you know is going to be coming in on a regular basis, that you know that's going to be coming in, that you can pay all your bills off. It takes away the worry completely until you can scale as a business owner 
without having to worry about the back end of things. Yeah. You can plan strategically and it's been really helpful on my end. Yeah, I love that. And this is something that I love about the conversations that we always have is there's so many, you know, quote unquote norms in the coaching industry that get very accepted, but they're not necessarily beneficial on a business front or on the client front. And that's something that we always have conversations around. And you and I tend to do things a little bit differently than what is like accepted as the norm. And I love it because I I think it's important to bring it up because it's going to give people who are listening permission to be like, okay, just because you've heard seven different people say one thing one way like question where that information is coming from question if that's a good fit for you question if that's a good fit for your clients for your client base for your business and then make your decision from there and i think ultimately like you highlighting this and us speaking about this it helps people to realize like you get to make your own rules like this is something that you and i talked about i think from the get-go was that it's your business like you're the person that gets to set the boundaries you get to set the way that you want it to be operating like just because there might be a norm for things doesn't mean that you don't get to push back against that norm and create your own rules with it. And obviously, you know, that has been something that has like stood you apart as such a leader, creating such accessible programs for women of color and for anyone that really has a background where maybe they've got other things going on in their life. So they don't have the huge upfront payment to be able to make. And I just love that you challenge that norm because I know that there's a lot of people who would have, I've heard it before, definitely go against it where it's like, no, like high ticket only. And like, you know, don't have anything where it's payment plan beyond the amount of time that you're actually working with someone. And it's like, no, right. you get to make your own rules, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have <sighs> never had an issue with my payment plan. I've had, I, I, like, I've had one issue and it got resolved, exactly. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just based off of trust and integrity that you build with your clientele, period. A hundred percent. So yeah, that trust piece of it is absolutely massive. And I think sometimes when, when we're not operating from that place of integrity, that is when you are making people make rash decisions based on fear and you're making them, you know, not making them, but you're sort of putting them in a position of like obligation around or a feeling like if I don't hire you, I'm not going to be able to do this. And you know, that high Mm -hmm. ticket price is more the reason that I need to invest rather than the actual results that are, that should be what is speaking, you know? And so that right there is what builds so much trust with people. So of course you're calling in people who appreciate the opportunity and are going to honor those longer term contracts anyway, and they're going to get the better results. So it just goes hand in hand. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. So ultimately, you know, you have always been such a powerful voice and I've always known that and seen that like literally even before you got into all of this and that's why, and then the, the drive that you have, like that's why in a year you have just transformed so, so much. But obviously, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that has gone on over the last couple of weeks, you, I know that you feel like you're finally being seen. I want to, yeah. I want you to speak <laughs> to that and, and how that actually makes you feel. Ooh, girl, Lord. Um, <laughs> man, yeah. So last week, my following went up by, I think like it was like, oh. at this point, it's like 1200 people who are now like new to my account in the last eight or nine days which is ridiculous to me um mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's ridiculous it's like I have I've been saying the same stuff you know what I mean like yeah uh I I think what what pulled the engagement part out this time is because um because I was prepared and not prepared like you know like people were ready to just like go in and create content like on the go like no it's like I've been saying the same thing about this, like since 
at this point since last year and then particularly since January when I said something the first time about both the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter movement and just the whitewashing of the coaching industry. Mm. So, so when I um, first did my video, um, just talking about how tired I am of doing the same stuff like going out and protesting and demanding it and I was like, tired like I'm just tired period um that got the like at this point people in our industry probably around um like 2,000 times and that's just direct people in the industry as a whole got shared um and then some steps I had to will take I was my next post after that that's the most viral I've ever gone outside of like a quote Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to educational information and that shocked me but it was because like I already I already knew what people needed to do like in order to start dismantling the stuff so I'm just sharing what I know I got my degree in this so I was just sharing what I know and with this with everything going on and just with last week how quickly like people want to DM you and get you on their IG lives and do story takeovers and get in their Facebook group all in that first week. And there were some people who I like jumped to because I knew them already. And we were already in the process of, of making things happen. So that's why I said, yes, you just did it. But then there were other people who were just like, hey, like, I love the topic with you, this, that, and the third. And, and I realized I was being tokenized because I was the only Black person or person of color in this whole entire lineup. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm not going, excuse me, I'm not going to be your token black girl like i'm not i'm not going to to be you know the person that's like speaking for all black people on instagram i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that for you i'm also also not gonna give you any kind of clout on that either um and it's just it's crazy because like i and i talked about this with you earlier but it's like there's a sense of imposter syndrome that has been like floating around me through all of this because I was doing the work prior to all this going down and I was showing up as consistently as I could while also raising two kids and being a wife and a mom and like you know all that jazz Mm. putting out content putting out programs but this past week it was like I felt seen and heard for the first time and I'm I'm thinking here like what the fuck like (laughs) Yeah. Like, mm. like what is this like I'm glad that that y'all see me now but I've been here I've been here for a year at this mm. point I've been here longer than that actually and like why why did it take so long for some of y'all to find me it's funny because Megan Megan Yelani and I talked about it too and it's like she's she said and she says in her story is like I'm so mad at myself mm. for um having this be why I'm so connected with these with these women and for, all, for those who don't know her, go look at her stories because she's been so transparent about this whole experience mm-hmm. um, just since last week and, and now she's still doing the work and, and showing it on her stories and everything. And, and you know, I think this is definitely supposed to happen. I'm, it's crazy because COVID, if it was COVID wasn't happening right now, this, the outroar and the, out, the outpour of support for the Black Lives Matter movement and for all of the Black voices that are rising up during this time, like, it never would have happened because people had to see, you know, they had to see and, and wake up to what was happening around them and not be caught in their own little bubble. And I think that's what, that's what that, this really is. Like people are, are having the bubble popped and we've been here 
the entire time and they're realizing it and like oh shit well I, I have this gem in my pocket like I need to you know bring her in and I'm like no I have a price mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a price and I have my own time and as of right now until June is booked and July is about to be too and like yeah. you gotta you gotta wait yeah you know so yeah. it it's a whole it's the whole experience and it's sad it's really sad because George Floyd was from Houston you know what I mean yeah he grew up in my neighborhood I'm from third ward Houston Texas Mm. and it's scary to see someone like him who looks like my cousins my family you know he's was just as tall as my husband Mm. it's hard to see someone like him be be murdered in such an awful way yeah so it's personal to to an extent but there's still work to do oh my god there's so much work to do so much work to do and you know that was like another thing that I wanted to speak about where it's like beyond the hashtag trending like Mm -hmm. what like it's so, this is why I want to have this conversation. Cause I'm like, and this is what I've said to you, like this now. Yeah, sure. And then again, another episode later, because like beyond this being something that's trending, what's still happening, you know, three months from now, six months from now. And I think right. that that's what's so important. And like what you're saying with Megan and things like that, where it's like, it's not just about when it's this trending thing and like, Oh, it's like suddenly. And you know, first, first to say, like I have had certain awareness in my life and obviously in Australia, it, it's, it's also different to being in America, but there's so much racism here as well towards indigenous yeah. Australians, which that I feel like my eyes have been opened so, so much. And I'm first to put my hand up and say, I've made so many mistakes and I'm part of the problem. And the last couple of weeks for me has been, such an eye-opening experience, like, and so about relearning around what it means to be, actually an ally and that it's not enough to mm-hmm. say well I don't see color and all that like that doesn't like to me now I'm like that doesn't make sense like but two weeks right. ago I was like yeah like that's I love everyone and it's like it's not enough like you need to be doing more than that and so for me understanding and learning about systemic racism and I, I read this mm-hmm. I, I've seen it so much and I saw it on a sign when I went to the protest on the weekend that like if you're just learning about systemic racism in the last two weeks like that is privilege Like that's Mm -hmm. fucking privilege. The fact that you're learning about it and you haven't experienced it for your entire life, like that's privilege. So if, you know, if, if for anyone that's listening, if you're like, oh no, like, you know, I'm not privileged. Like I'm so, it's like, no, like if you haven't been experiencing it your whole life, like that is privilege. So like check it and be open to learning. And that's been like, and then from there, take action, be an ally. And that has honestly been for me, the biggest thing is like, be open to the fact that you're fucking wrong. Like you're wrong at certain times you've made mistakes. That's okay. How can you apologize, learn and be better? And, you know, that is something as well that with, with everything that's been going on, and this is what I kind of want to lead into is like, you know, the difference and you speak about this so well between like performative and proactive allyship. And I would love to really dive into this because, you know, like you said, it's personal, like George, like, like he died and it's, the most horrible thing and it's so horrible that it's taken this for this to happen like it's literally yeah. awful that it's taken something like and also it's not just him like there's so many other people but obviously like you said like this is the catalyst in the conditions of COVID and people being present and not having anything to do but be on their phones like so of course they're becoming more aware and their bubbles are being popped and I want to keep those bubbles popped like I want people to continue to take action and to continue to be 
an ally that is proactive. So can you speak a little bit about the difference between performative and proactive allyship and then beyond this current moment, like how to bring in certain habits that continue to allow you to be an ally and to take that action? Absolutely. Here, I'm going to close my hu- my bedroom door because my husband, uh, <laughs> he has a deep voice and he is also on a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a um, interview inception. We're just like in an yes, interview. Yes, basically. Interview. <laughs> yeah. He's, because he's, my husband's also an activist. So like he's on the Zoom call with other activists in Atlanta who are planning things like that's crazy. So, <laughs> so when I, when I talk about performative and proactive allyship. I love bringing up two companies that really exemplify both of these these things, right? So when I think about performative allyship or activism, Mm. I think about Amazon. (laughs) And the the reason why I think about Amazon in this is because everyone who has an Amazon Prime account, um, recently, if you went on Amazon's website in the last week, then you saw a big black banner that said, you know, we stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. And you see like their lineup of movies that are about racial injustice and systematic oppression and all of these things like Just Mercy, you know, they have access to all of those movies. So you see that. And then mm-hmm. you see like their little statement on how much money they're giving to these various organizations that are in alignment with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. That is my example of not doing enough because the issue with Amazon is that they do not have policies and procedures that are anti-racist in nature. They do not pay their employees more than a living wage. They actually pay a minimum wage, especially specifically in the state of Washington. That's where I'm from. I was raised there. Mm. So the state, the state minimum wage in Seattle was $15 an hour. That's what they pay. They do not pay any more than that. Mm. Um, they do not have policies that actually help their employees have maternity leave, paternity leave. They, they do the bare minimum when it comes to their procedures, right? Mm. And then on top of that, their CEO is a trillionaire. No one should have that much money, period. All of those things are contributing to the systematic oppression of Black people. So you can't say that you stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter if everything about your company, when it comes to the actual procedures, the policies, the business plan, everything about the company as a whole and how it's been operating for the last 20, 25 years Mm. is actually contributing to the systematic oppression of Black people. And even your Black employees are still suffering Mm. (laughs) from the overall decisions that you as as a company are making this was brought to light whenever COVID-19 was happening don't even get me started there because there was a whole bunch of this worker law issues as a whole that Amazon came into this the light for it got a lot of I got I got a lot of heat for how I was treating its employees during COVID and how their employees were getting sick and dying in their warehouses you Mm. know what I mean so that's not that doesn't stand in solidarity of Black Lives Matter and what they did by putting the banner and donating money and putting the movies up and saying, you know, we stand in solidarity is very performative. You yeah. can't put money over a cause because then you just have a rich cause. Mm. You just yeah. have a cycle that is now making money over and over again. And we see this in so many other issues as well. Versus proactive allyship and activism. A great example of this is Ben and Jerry's ice cream. So here in the US, Ben and Jerry's ice cream has literally been about 
everything for social activism since the moment their company existed. And that's because their, Z, their CEOs are very politically active within their community as a whole. So both the CEOs of Ben and Jerry's have gone out and protested damn near every single day since everything went down. And they've done this in the past as well. Uh, they participate in political campaigns. All of their blog posts, especially the recent one that comes from the same on Black Lives Matter, actually have demands that it's requiring from the U.S. government and various aspects in their state that they need to occur in order for them to continue doing business within the capacity that they are. Um, they also, if you look onto their website, have various consistent blog posts on various other issues. So they don't just talk about dismantling white supremacy, which is an actual blog that is on their website. But they also talk about um, abortion rights. They talk about, um, oh my gosh, race relations. They talk about COVID-19, how the weight, the wealth uh, gap within there is completely just out of, uh, unacceptable as a whole. So I'm thinking of the word, it just didn't come to me. But they consistently show up in that area. And um, I think what I love about the company consistently is that they do that not only internally, but then externally, they actually show that on their ice cream. So as different causes pop up as a whole, you see on their ice cream moments in time and movements that are happening that get named for their population people who buy their ice cream. So they've seen a huge spike in business mm. because they're out of alignment with their actual causes. And that's how they've been the entire time. Mm. Performative versus proactive. You don't have to have an issue with doing better or being better if you're already working on these things on a regular basis, if you're already creating inclusive spaces, if you're already ensuring that you're getting trained and you ha you're hiring people on your staff that are people of color and Black people, if you're already ensuring that you're getting diversity, equity, and inclusion training, if you already have that in your business plan, then you don't have to work to catch up versus if you're in a space where this never was an issue before, like you mentioned earlier, like if you have to learn about racism and and all the issues that are systemic, systemically oppressing people, then it is mm -hmm. a privilege. You have to start playing catch up now. So what are those things you have to do? Yeah. Look into different courses and certifications that will actually get you caught up on the terminology and the things that are really causing harm, not just in the US, but globally. Because a lot of these practices are due to colonism, uh, colonialism. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> um, it's late here in the US. Um, once you do that, start looking through your business plan. And I want you to tear it apart. Like, go in through your business plan and just look at, okay, what, is actually, what am I doing as a business that's actually problematic? And how can I fix that? So is that your the way that you offer your, you offer your offer. Sorry, that's like, <laughs> completely it's like out of it. when someone does but like how? a double negative, you're like, you know, yes. <laughs> like that's a positive. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah. look how you're actually selling your offers. Like yeah. the price point that you have that for people like putting off, um, you know, I can't afford this because it's my mindset or is it, I can't afford it because I'm actually being exclusive towards certain people. Mm. If you want to have a diverse population, then you have to ensure that they can at least afford it, right? Or there's a way to afford it, right? So if you do have a high ticket program, how can you put in and in place and implement um, payment plans into that? How can you ensure that there is an adamant amount of time that someone can have time to pay it off? Do you offer um, different options like PayPal or Stripe? Because some people don't feel comfortable using Stripe and most people are using PayPal and vice versa. Yeah. Um, 
do you are you ensuring that there is an actual policy in place to ensure that someone can get a refund if something goes left? Mm-hmm. Are you ensuring that in your actual policies and procedures that there isn't a clause, a diversity inclusion clause, that, that states that you do not discriminate towards race, gender, sexuality, and so on and so forth? Those mm-hmm. are all little po- like policy things that most people don't even think about when they're setting up their business. But if you have that from the jump, then you don't have to worry about it because it's there. Um, trying to think what else there's there's so many steps that you can take as a whole right but breaking down just doing the work being being aware that you're contributing to the actual system as a whole disassociating yourself from anyone who is also not going to do the work and refuses to do it Mm -hmm. just divest from that and then look into just getting really really trained so that way whenever you are making those next steps on okay well I know this is a problem. I know I'm going to fix it. How can I fix it? The training will help you do that. And then just start dismantling Mm -hmm. what you set up and repurposing and rebuilding um, your original business plan to where it is an inclusive and consistently inclusive, equitable, um, and diversified plan that serves your entire target audience. Yeah. Such powerful steps, literally, obviously read my mind. Cause that was like my next thing off the back of speaking about Amazon and Ben and Jerry's. And I was like, okay, like actionable steps that people can take in their businesses, but you just like went straight there and spoke to it. So thank <laughs> you for outlining that so clearly. And there's so many steps in there that people can look into and to actually start to implement in their businesses to be the change that they say that they want to be so that they're not just being performative, but also being proactive going forward. So that yeah. honestly, those steps are so, so powerful. And for anyone listening who doesn't have a business, but maybe um, wants to start to be proactive in their personal life and with family and friend and things like that, what are some of the things that you would suggest there? Oh man. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely say, and I actually, I want to, I want to say this with a story that a friend of mine told me, and I, I'm going to share it on my, on my feed tomorrow because it was so powerful, mm-hmm. but she, so a friend of mine who was a white woman was on the bus and I believe she was in, in San Francisco or near that area and was shopping on a call that a young gentleman, a young white male was having with his mother and was explaining the issues of why race essentially exists and why systematic oppression in regards to race exists and his mom wasn't hearing it and she he told him along he told her along the lines that if you don't essentially get with the times and start realizing that there are people around you that are struggling more because of who they are you know we just can't be associated to one another and that's hard that's a really, really hard conversation. But because of what's happening right now, he had the courage not to talk to his own mother yeah. that she had to, you know, get with it or they wouldn't, they wouldn't be essentially associated with one another anymore. Mm. I think what, on a personal level, what we have to come to realize is that as human beings, we set this up. Race is a human construct. So is gender. So is sexuality. These are all things that we've been allowing ourselves to follow as a civilization for thousands of years. And because we have agreed, because we agree to do it every single day, to fall into line essentially and play by the rules, 
no matter where we live, just based off of safety and law and all of these things, then, you know, that's, that's the best thing we can do. But it's not. <laughs> like, like all laws were not created equally. And we're seeing that at the forefront of this movement right now. I mean, we've seen that for hundreds of years. That's why slavery, even though it's still to this day not completely illegal in our country due to the prison industrial complex, that's a whole other conversation. Mm. But <laughs> um, watch 13th on Netflix. So I'm going to say, just yeah. go watch 13th on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but even with like the dismantling of slavery, that was still a thing, you know, not even a hundred years ago. Yeah. That was still a thing. And on a personal level, coming to terms with, okay, this is what's happened. This is what's been going on for hundreds of years. This is what I need to do personally, which would, that would be going and watching the documentaries and watching the movies and reading powerful books by people of color, whether that be tied to race and white supremacy and all of those things, or just reading really great books by people of color in general to bring in new perspectives into your outlook um, and surround yourself with new people. I think the more the effort that we put into popping our bubbles and getting into new circles and having more critical conversations and taking action, the better. There's been a lot of action points that have been brought up in the last week in regards to ways people can do it. And I think something that this movement has shown me is that there's so much more you can do than just protesting. You can protest, you can donate, you can write letters to Congress if you're in the U.S. You can write letters to your representatives if you are in other places of the world because I don't know the words for those things. Yeah. <laughs> to your leaders of your countries. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, or um, if I, I, I don't have a, I, I have an awful British accent, but um, to Parliament, I guess that would be the... <laughs> you could sit no, down with the tea with the Prime Minister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but get to your representatives and just send, send them a letter or, or blow their phones up. Like, yeah. do what you can to bombard them with your demands because we forget that we hired them through our mm. votes. 100%. We hired them through our votes. They do, they're not obligated to a career in politics, and we can easily take that away just as easily as we voted them in. And if, if we remember that, which I love that, I know here in the U.S., like Steve King, for example, just got like, he, he isn't going to be a U.S. senator after this year, so I'm like, turn up, get the racist out of out of, house, <laughs> out of Senate, like, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but it's it's cool. It's really cool to see those steps happen so yeah like politically um when it comes to knowledge like reading and learning and getting getting into courses and classes all of that about my privilege and white supremacy um but then also checking in with your friends and i i say that as a not just your black friends but your friends mm -hmm. in general because there are a lot of people who are not black who are realizing that they've contributed to the system and they are losing their minds they're Try, they're in complete like knowledge overwhelm, trying to consume as much information as they can. And because this hasn't been their day-to-day -day life, they're experiencing 
all of these new things about knowledge and white supremacy and racism, sexism and ageism, and they're learning about all the isms <laughs> and intersectionality. Ism overwhelm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I can't, and, and they're thinking, I can't believe that I contributed to this and yeah. I had no idea. And now they're thinking about all of their situations that they possibly could have been racist to their black friends and their brown friends yeah. and are yeah. thinking that inherently they're racist when they're not, they just were contributing to a racist system. Mm. So checking in with your friends and figuring out what role do I play in all of this? Because we all have a role. There's a really great, there's been a really great graphic going around about different roles that we all play in uh society and it talks about you know weavers and movers and shakers and mm. thinkers and um educators and caretakers we all have a, a, a role in all of this yeah. and i think the more that you accept that your role may not look like protesting but it could look like feeding protesters or mm. your role looks like writing blog posts about all of the knowledge that you learned the easier it's going to be because this is this, we're in this for the long haul this is going to be a fight yes the civil war was four years long you know what i mean here in the u.s so it's four years slavery was slavery and the racial oppression of black people has been 451 years so it's like <laughs> or maybe it's like 401 it's a lot of yeah. years a lot of but, years yeah but it it's um it's gonna be a fight and we have to all come together in order to really break things down um, on a personal level and see how we are going to do that together in order for it to really stick. Yeah. A hundred percent. And everybody just being open to playing their role in it. And I love what you said there. I love where you were like, figure out what your role is. Like it might not be protesting, but it might be feeding the protesters or like mm -hmm. you said, writing the blog post that gives people access to the things that you've been learning so that they get the steps that they need as well. Like realizing like your voice matters ultimately. Yeah. As small as it may be, if you've got just like, you don't have to be a business. Like you might just have a personal Facebook page. Like most people have some mm -hmm. sort, sort of platform somewhere, share your voice. Like it matters. It's being heard by at least one person. Even if that one person is your mom, like the guy on the bus, like that counts like literally do your part. So I love that you said that. I love that you broke it down. You always articulate so incredibly. And honestly, thank you for just giving all of those steps, no matter where people are at whatever their journey is in, whether it's personal or business, there's action that can be taken and needs to be taken. So hear those steps, come back to this episode and check yourself and figure out what it is that you can be doing to be an ally, to be a part of the fight. So yeah, we've got a long way to go, but we're in it together. So Amazing. Oh my gosh. I feel like this conversation could go on forever, but I want you to tell people where they can work with you, where they can find out more about you. Obviously you've got an amazing mastermind. There's been an incredible scholarship that's been going on. You're doing your workshops within a glow circle. You help people to build change in their life and the change in others. And it's such an incredible, it's such incredible work that you do. So for anybody that wants to find out more about the opportunity to work with you or to support you in your business, how can they find you? What can they do? Yeah. So you can find me, uh, I'll, I'll give you my website first. So www.vpride.com. Um, and that's going to literally bring you to all the information, but I feel like you're probably going to find even more information on my Instagram. Um, I'm there every single day at, uh, literally at V, so T-H-E-V-P-R-I-G-H-T. So that's like an 
acronym on my legal name. That's V as in Victor, P as in Pearl, Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. And um, like Taylor said, I do have a mastermind that is starting in a couple of days, actually. That's super crazy. Mm. It starts on the 15th. Um, I have been raising funds for it because people were trying to figure out over the last week how they could support me. And I'm telling, I've been telling people, like, don't support just me. Support the women who are going to be building their businesses during this time because in order to give freedom and accessibility to black women put a business in their hand and they will run with it period you know what I mean um so I do have a support fund that is going directly to covering those spots uh I need to check my paypal but like as of yesterday there was 451 dollars away from actually being able to cover all the spots and that mastermind if it was full of black indigenous women of color which is freaking incredible so um yeah so i'll make sure to give link to a link the links to all of that to taylor so that we all can access that and then yeah absolutely and then um if you do want to work with me one-on-one i have one spot open for six months for the remainder of the year and then that's my last six month spot run don't (laughs) walk right run <laughs> that run um that is my last spot um i do have some three month spots that i will be opening up in july and that'll be the last time i open that up for the year uh so i want to take some time off at the end of the year and all that jazz uh, because this year has been hard <laughs> yeah and we're only just hitting june you're like oh, right. oh my gosh yeah <laughs> second half yet to go i know yeah this yeah. this year has been has been a, a mess but I love my one-on-one mentorships because we get super, super deep in the nitty-gritty of everything. It's very personalized. I also have a lot of structure when it comes to getting the step-by-step done. If you're building a creative business online or if you are a coach wanting to go into coaching and get inclusive tactics as well as um, just learning how to build your coaching business from the ground up. Um, so those are my options with that. And like I said, those are going to be open in June and July. And then they're not going to be open for the rest of the year. So and then you're done. like you yeah. said run (laughs) literally run so we'll link all of that in the show notes for you as well um as well as information about the workshop that you are doing within a glow circle as well can you just speak to that quickly around what's going to be inside of that if people want to come and register to come to the workshop absolutely so i am doing a workshop with inner glow circle um on june 18th on allyship activism and anti-racism and coaching i'm very very excited about it because we're going to be going over how to be an ally as a coach, how to be an activist as a coach, how to imply anti-racist strategies and techniques into your coaching methodology, how to actually ensure that your pricing plans and your payment plans, your offers as a whole are inclusive in nature as well, and they're not exclusive. I may even throw in some marketing strategies and tactics there too, because there are a ton of exclusive strategies that people do when they're trying to get clientele in that they don't even think about mm-hmm. um, whenever they're trying to expand their clientele base using Instagram, which I'm like, dude, no matter what platform you're on, like you have to, you got to do some different strategies if you're trying to diversify your base as a whole, but that's, mm-hmm. that'll be in the workshop. Yeah. Um, and if you can't make the live time, which it'll be on 6 p.m. Eastern time, on the 18th, then the replay will be available uh, via Inaglow's, Inaglow Works, tongue twister, Inaglow Circles website, yeah. and that's literally www.inaglowcircles slash activism. Yeah. So 
Um, I'm very, very excited about that. I'm using my degree for mm. real, for real. And I'm pumped. I'm like, yes. It's like, going to be so oh. good. So amazing. Yes. And honestly, I just feel like it's the, it's just the tip of the iceberg with everything that's going to come. I just feel like you're just getting the ball rolling. I feel like so many things are coming. So watch this space, my loves. Um, I always love to finish with this one question as well. If there's anything that is on your heart to say right now, uh, just something that you want to leave the listeners with, it just feels called for you to just let it out. What is it that you want to leave people with? Mm. Do the best that you can do. I think there's been a lot of calling out and up, which has scared people. Don't be afraid to mess up. Don't be afraid to get called out. Don't be afraid to do better. Don't be afraid to meet new people. Don't be afraid to take that class and be wrong. Don't be afraid to do anything that will make you better. Working in complete unequivocal fearlessness will push you forward so much so much faster than sitting in your fear chills my love chills thank you yeah uh, yeah appreciate you beyond words love you so much thank you so much for coming and just sharing everything here that you have today you are incredible i love you Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with me in today's episode. Because you're a part of the collective, I know you're a visionary woman ready for more and I'm here to remind you that the world needs your light. If you love this episode or know somebody who would, please share it to your IG stories and tag me at TayRayOfficial. And if you want to show some love for the podcast, please head on over and leave a five-star review on iTunes and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss all of the magic coming here soon. For more support, check out the episode show notes, my courses, services, and digital products by heading over to taylorray.com.au. Big love, babe. And until then, go and shine that beautiful light. The world is waiting for you.